0: Today, we begin a new sermon series, uh, really, if you will, so much about the harvest or about the DNA of harvest as a church. What are we all about? And we don't always do this if you're new here, but our small groups, which are a big, big thing upon which we're about. We've got, uh, I think, over 250 adults who are in our small groups. Right now um, we 're kind of partnering together in the Sunday morning service, and what we 're going to be talking about is is coordinated along with small groups it 's not that it 's sermon based small groups, but they 're all working together you 're going to be talking about a lot of things we 're talking here on Sundays, and there will be some overlap, but strengthening and building together and i 'm just very excited about that. so you and small groups are going through the vertical church book together. Uh, On Sundays, we are going to be going over the four P's, the five G's, and the three W's of Harvest. Uh, What are those about? Well, the four P's are the four pillars. Essentially, the four pillars are who we are. Uh, If you want to know who we are these next four weeks, we're going to tell you who we are. What's the core foundation, the pillars of who we are. The five G's, uh, we'll get to that. It's really, uh, uh, what are we trying to do here? Um, What kind of people are we trying to raise for this generation and the next? And the three W's really tell how we do that. Um, So over these next three months, uh, if you're new to Harvest, you're going to be learning all about us and what cranks us, what wires us, and what we're about. And if you've been here for a long time, this is going to also just add to that and reconfirm who we are. Well, today we begin on the four pillars, and we're going to begin on the first pillar. Pillars are there to hold structures. That's what their purpose is for. Uh, Buildings are only as strong as their supporting pillars. And the extent that which one pillar is missing, or one pillar is weak, the whole structure will be weakened by one weak pillar. And uh, uh, the strength of the structure is found and it's pillars. That's why we use this as an illustration. And the four pillars of harvest define this ministry. In fact, did you grab your update? Church, some churches call it their bulletin. We call it the update, just update you on things. Look on the back of that. Everybody grab that, look at the back. Uh, we list the four pillars on there. And in fact, uh, I want for us to read those through together here. You've got those on the back. Let's read the first pillar. It starts with proclaiming all together. Ready, here we go. Proclaiming the authority Okay, and what's the second pillar? You tell me. And what's the third one? And the fourth? Uh, these are the four pillars that are foundational here at this ministry. But also understand this. Please understand this today. These are not just the four pillars that are foundational to the church ministry here, but these are four pillars that are foundational for every follower of Christ. So, what we're talking about today, especially on the proclaiming the word, kind of the preaching, if you will, and terminology we'll have, this today is not just about me and what I'm doing here. This is about all of us proclaiming the word of God in it. And so, these four pillars are for this church, but they're also for all of us. Well, grab your Bibles and let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, because we're all about the Bible. Go to your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, Let me set you a little context. Paul is in prison in Rome. Uh, He's awaiting his execution. That means Paul is in his last moments of his life. And he writes to encourage Timothy in ministry. Now think about that. Just pause for a minute. Think about this. What if you knew that you were basically jailed and you were going to be executed within days, weeks? And you had the opportunity to write to some people. I'm going to guess that you and I would write quite differently in that situation than just a normal everyday situation, wouldn't it? I mean, no messing around, cults, whatever, this, whatever. But let me tell you, I'm about to die, and I got some things to say. And let's just get right at it. I want to tell you, what we're reading, this is really personal stuff. This is between the Apostle Paul and writing to Timothy. Timothy's a young man. He's basically kind of a young pastor in areas. Timothy is a timid man by nature. So much of Timothy I just grab a hold with and could relate with. And yet Paul is kind of coming and said, Timothy, I got some things to say to you. I want to encourage you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of what God's doing in your life. And I have some things to say to you. And when we get here to chapter 4, we're kind of at the end of the things that Paul has to say. And kind of, I would think, as you're writing and getting to the ends of the thing that you want to say, you know you're coming to the end of what you're writing as well as the end of your life. I would think the things you're going to say at the end are the things that you really want to make sure he walks away with and leaves with. And so this is very sensitive, very personal uh, uh, text here we're about to read. So let's, with that in mind, let's read it. Let's pick up actually in chapter 3, verse 10. Timothy, you, ha- you however have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured yet from them all the Lord has rescued me. Timothy, indeed, all desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh, that verse right there could be preached a really big time. let me just say this there's a lot of teaching today in kind of what we maybe call the prosperity gospel where like come to Jesus and you'll be healthy wealthy and happy and have no problems what do they do with that verse what do they do with that verse I don't know about you but having come to Christ as my savior and lord life hasn't been all fluffy bunny There have been some hard times. I love the honesty of the Bible, if we teach it all. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing that from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings of which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable. Timothy, it's profitable for teaching, it's profitable for reproof, it's profitable for correction, and Timothy, it's profitable for training in righteousness. And it's profitable that, in all that, that the man of God, that the woman of God, may be competent, may be equipped, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Sometimes chapter breaks get in the way because he doesn't stop there. Uh, I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But as for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Timothy, Fulfill your ministry. God, I pray as we dig into these few verses that we would just walk away this morning with an increasing admiration and an increasing appreciation of your written words. May we hold them high. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Grab your Bible in your hand and hold it up. Everybody, everybody, grab it, hold it up. I want for you to know here out of it today, it's this. Uh, look at all the lights. <laughs> wow, the world has changed. Hey, what we're holding up, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. I just That's the bottom line of today. We are all about this thing here as a church. Got it? We're all about this. Well, let's dig into this wonderful passage and talk about it some. Notice chapter 4, verse 1. It starts with, I charge you. In the Greek, that is an imperative. It's it's, it's a command. It's not like, hey, Timothy, it would really be nice before I, like, die. (laughs) He's not guilting him. He's telling him, Timothy... I charge you, I command you, that's the emphasis clearly that Paul is giving here. And notice with it as well, I charge you the strong directive in the presence of God in Christ Jesus. There are times where we can say things like, hey, will you take the trash out? No, 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 how about this? I charge you to take the trash out. (laughs) There's a big difference. But then there's times here where there's things where it's like, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, I now have something to tell to you. This is a divine directive. Please understand this is a divine command. Divine call that the Apostle Paul, about to die, about to be martyred, is giving. And I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus to do what? Verse two, three words. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach. Uh, the word means to herald. It means to speak. It means to declare. Uh, know this the word is not just saying your actions. I'm all about us living out our actions before people. Well, it's true. Our actions speak, don't they? And people around you, I hope are looking at you and in your life and going, you know what, what they say they believe and how they act and behave, the two fit. Uh, But it's very clear with the word that Paul chooses here. He's not talking about act it out, just live it out and don't say anything. This is a purely verbal saying it publicly reality. Hey, If you're one that has embraced the idea of live it out, which I'm all about, but are actually using that as a cop out to speak it out, there's really no difference between you and any other person wanting to be moral. How will people know unless they hear? What's the difference between you and a Mormon? Or a Jehovah's Witness? Or a Buddhist? if we don't proclaim the truth. That's why this word holds this idea. Of proclaim it, speak it, say it. Speak what? Speak what? Two words. The word. The word. Well, what's the word? Well, when we had gone through the study through John, we saw in John chapter 1, uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is called the word. Well, that fits. Hey, Timothy, preach Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. The gospel is about a person. That's what it is all about. Preach Jesus Christ. But I also want to bring in the reality of the context here. Because I think what Paul is really saying when he's referring to the word is, yes, Jesus Christ, but specifically, he's talking about the written word of God. I mean, chapter uh, 3, verses 16 to 17. Again, that's why I mentioned sometimes that the, uh, the chapter breaks get in the way. And we see there, and we'll see that in just a minute, that that's the case. This is about the proclamation of, of the written word of God. Timothy, preach this. Hey, Harvest, preach this. Hey, follower of Christ, preach this, declare this, herald this. That's why we here at Harvest, one of our central pillars, is we herald the Bible and the Bible alone. We herald the Bible and the Bible alone. Honestly, you come here, you don't want to hear what I have to say. You want to hear what God's word, as I've been working through it, has to say, or whoever is proclaiming on a Sunday or a weekend worship time. You want to hear God's word when it comes down to it. And by the way, notice, it's not, you know, if you feel like it, Timothy, if it sounds good, or or we're not the kind of place either, by the way, where it's like, let's read a verse, close the Bible, and then let's just talk about what Doug wants to talk about. Oh, shame, may that never happen. We want to go to the Word of God, open it up, and have at it. Have at it and savor it. By the way, notice it's preached the Word. Not the Word plus. Uh, not the Word plus whatever else you think. And not the Word plus religious traditions. Not the Word plus pop psychology. Not the Word plus fog and laser light shows. Not anything else, just the Word. Just give me God's Word. I'm going to tell you, I, maybe I need to... I don't know, maybe I need to be a little bit more fancy sometimes, but I know in teaching and seminary and prepping for pastoral, here's the big thing is you've got to spend your time and have this like wham-bang illustration to start things out with before because people just aren't going to be ready to hear the Word of God. Are you kidding me? I'm just more like, it, it's in the Word. People want to hear the Word of God. Like, let's get rid of the cutesy illustrations and let's just like dig into the Word and mind that baby for all it's worth. Why do we want to be that way? Well, let me just kind of quickly, three things before we get into a few other things. Number one, we're that way that we herald the Bible because uh, uh, the Bible's from God. Uh, the Bible's from God. Look at 2 Timothy, verse 16, chapter 3. All Scripture is breathed out by who? God. Not God and Bob. It's breathed out by God. Now, you add to that 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it tells the process of how he got the written word. God moved men to write his thoughts and words. Yes, men penned it down, but these are God's thoughts. God moved. I want to say, it, when you think, I love that terminology, it's God-breathed. That means it's sourced right out of God. <sighs> okay? But it's also very personal. It's not like through a system or it's been through 16 different computers and now you got it. It's like from God himself, the word of God is originally appended in the original language. It's God's, God's words. Hey friends, we open this because this is God's words to us. And so it begs the question, why wouldn't we want to talk about the Bible? I mean, why would we want to talk about anything else? That's God's word. Bam. Bam. That's why we go to it. Secondly, the Bible's all we need. Look at, again, 2 Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable. It's useful for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. That's like all of life. Oh, yeah, verse 17, that the man of God, that the woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Add to that, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible tells us that in the Bible, the Bible is Everything we need for life and godliness. You can go there, look at it. And that's what it meant. The Bible is everything you need for life and godliness. That's why last month when we went through vertical homes and talked about marriage and we talked about parenting. We went to the Bible. Because it has everything you need to be able to do marriage God's way. The Bible has everything you need to be able to raise your kids God's way. The Bible has everything you need to be able to grow and change. The Bible has everything that you need. Now, you may say, Doug, I got some questions that the Bible doesn't answer. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Uh, the things revealed belong to us, the things not unto the Lord. There are some things I want to know about. Like, why did he make mosquitoes? And it's like, I'll tell you later, Doug, at the end of the story of it all. And I got to be good with that. I just want mystical experiences aren't needed even warm, fuzzy feelings aren't needed. The latest talk show, blah, blah, blah. It's just not needed. It's not necessary. Chicken soup for the soul. It's just not needed. I'm not say, saying, you know, don't have anything to do with any of it it's like all evil. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this, hold this high. And we live in a day and age where like everybody else wants to go to everything else but this. Yeah, that's God's word. But what about this? How about this? This, this is the central thing. Nothing else is God's word. It's all we need. In third, the Bible's powerful. Hebrews 4.12 says the Bible is able to pierce the soul, discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. What else can do that? The Bible can. It can pierce the soul. It can go to the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I add to that Isaiah 55.11. Oh, this is such a helpful verse for me. It says that God will accomplish all that he has in mind whenever his word is declared. Hey, uh, children's ministry teacher, small group leader, uh, working with your neighbors, talking with your coworkers at work about the Lord, pastors preaching on weekends to people, know this. When you toss the word of God out there, you're setting it out there for the spirit of God to be able just to come along and wham that baby right where he wants to. And there are times I go home and I'm like, (laughs) that bit. I didn't hit it where I wanted to today. But I'll tell you what, when you put the word of God out on the table, it's all for God to be able to use that thing in people's life. And times, it's just amazing to me. You proclaim the word of God and people are like, man, I so needed that. This morning that happened. Few people, I so needed that this morning. I like, whoa, I had no idea. But it's the word of God. The spirit of God uses the word of God in the lives of his people. The Bible's powerful. The Bible's from God. It's all we need. It's the power of God. And that's why we herald it here at Harvest without apology. And I'll say this. On every weekend, you will never hear me say, Okay, everybody grab your Vertical Church book, turn to chapter 2, and we're going to study uh, page 19. You won't hear me do that. You're not going to hear me say, grab your systematic theology book and, and dig into that. You won't hear me do that on a Sunday. I will say I use both of these books, and they're great books to be able to use, but you won't hear me do that on Sundays. I also won't hear me say, grab your commentary and let's study through that. Or, or grab your uh, biography. This one happens to be on John Stott, a great Christian man. Or you won't hear me say, you know, grab the Aesop's Fables book. Or you won't hear me talk about you know, the new science of personal transformation. Let's grab that one. Woo! And let's go there. You won't hear me do that. You won't hear me say, hey, grab your physics book and let's grab that. You won't hear me go, let's grab the DSM-IV book and let's open that and study that. You just won't hear me do that. You will only hear me say this. Open your Bible, and we're going to dig into a passage. We're about the Bible here, unapologetically, and we're about the Bible boldly. Not because we're arrogant, I hope not, but because we are so enamored by the fact that this is the word of God, and don't give me anything else, Doug, than the word of God. Do you hear me, Doug? That's the deal. Now, a question might come out of that. And you might say, so why are we studying this book in small group if it's the Bible and the Bible alone? Uh, I just want for you to know, on Sundays when we come here, this is the public thing and this is all about the word of God. And yet we do use other resources at times. And that's okay. But these are the kinds of resources where they are uh, written by men and women who are all about the Bible. Their focus is the Bible. They're bringing biblical truth to the table and helping us think through it. I'm okay with that. I hope you're okay with that because we're okay with that. And so that way we have like a whole buffet of Bible stuff. But the center of the meal is God's word. And that's why the center of the meal on weekends is God's word here. Oh, by the way, do you bring your Bible on Sundays? Hey, if you're new here and maybe you come from a church where you're not used to doing that, uh, I want to encourage you to do that. In fact, I want to charge you to do that. If you don't have a Bible or can't afford one, man, we, you got one. We'll get you one. I just want for you to know, by the way, if you're from a church where they put the scripture up on the, on the screen so everybody can read it together, uh, I don't do that here. And I don't do that on purpose. I don't do that because I've noticed in churches that I've been to, when you put the verses up on the screen, a lot of people don't bring their Bibles. So I don't put them up on the screen because I, I want it on your lap, reading out of it. So if you're not used to in the habit of bringing your Bible, bring your Bible because that's where we're going to go. That's the meat. And lastly, with that, I've observed that if we don't open the Bible on Sunday, you probably won't be opening the Bible on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. So we open the Bible here. All truth may be God's truth, but not all truth is scripture. All truth may be God's truth, but not all truth is scripture. There is a difference. Well, let's fill this out a little bit more. Uh, we herald the Bible, the Bible alone, as a people preparing. I just want to say this. We're a whole group of learners here. This is a whole group of learners. Uh, this is a rhetorical question, but uh, will anyone who has the Bible completely all figured out, please stand up. Please don't stand up. <laughs> because <laughs> then we got a whole nother issue, all right? But the point is, is that we're all learning and we're all learning together. Look at it, v- verse two, preach the word. That's what I've been keying in here on all this time. But look at it next. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready. We're to be a prepared people and an increasingly prepared people. There are times in, in, over history where the Bible's kind of been in, if you will, and it's been out. I just want for you to know, here it'll always be in. It's interesting, too, in times of peace, people kind of are less uh, in tune with what God may have to say because everything's going great. But in times of disaster, it's amazing how even a a secular world will call us to pray. In our day, in this season, we live in a time when the very existence of God and absolute truth is questioned in the faith of atheism and science. I understand the questions. We live in the reality of the sanctity of life is questioned. Marriage and how God designed it is questioned. We live in a time where the idea of submitting to one another and serving one another, that's questioned, because life is supposed to be about me. We live in a time when the value of the local church is questioned. Oh, that's an outdated gig. No, it's not. Over history, God and his word if you will, has been in season and out another. But for us, it's always in, always held high. Let me illustrate it this way. I like football and um, imagine football, there's there's a game going on and and there's a a player, uh, let's say a high school game and you're watching this high school game and you look down and you see one player who's kind of like way down in the far corner of the bench and the game's been going on it's third quarter the coach is out there teams he's sitting on the end of the bench and he's got a value-packed supersized big mac meal that he's just having at and while he's there he's playing around with his iphone and he's also just while he's there checking out the cheerleaders while he's slamming down the big mac uh could we would we agree not ready would we? Not ready to play the game. Coach calls him. Hey, Doug, (laughs) I need you. Wait, turn the phone off. Uh, Not ready. That's not what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be more like the illustration of the guy with the kid with the helmet that's on next to the coach watching the game, even though maybe right at the moment I'm not playing, I'm not out on the field but I'm watching the game, seeing what's going on, seeing what's happened, so I'm I'm in it. So if the coach turns around at any moment in time and says, you're on, dude, I'm like, I'm in, I'm so in. And not only that, not only am I more equipped to be in right now than a week ago, but I'm more equipped now than I was a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. I'm increasingly equipped every game. That's what we're supposed to look like. That's one of the things I've so loved about this church family. You have been a people that it's like, hey, none of us have it together. We're all working at it, but we're all about God's word. And let's dig it out together. I love that. That's what it should be in season and out of season, ready to go all the time. By the way, I just want to note here, that's your responsibility. One of the things that's in season right now in our culture is kind of to blame it on everybody else. Well, I can't do it because of. But it's your responsibility. If you know Christ is your Savior, it's your responsibility to be someone who's engaging and increasing and growing. It's not your spouse's responsibility. It's not your mom or dad's ultimate responsibility. It's not even this church's responsibility. It's your responsibility. One of the things I've learned over the years is you can only help people that want to be helped. And sometimes it's so hard when you see people whose lives are so hurting and you know you've worked with people and you want to help them, but they don't want to change. We know what that's like to be that ourselves, don't we? Well, listen, it's our responsibility. We're to be a people that's preparing, increasingly prepared. Also, we herald the Bible as a people preparing, and we herald it as a a people ministering it. Watch this. Preach the word, verse 2. Be ready in season and out. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. This is bold, strong terminology stated after bold, strong terminology. Three things that are told here. A people that's ministering the word of God does three things. Number one, they reprove. It means to expose. Here in the context, it means to expose sin. In other words, it's the kind of thing of, you know, hey, you know that uh, habit that you're struggling with? You know, the practice that you perpetuate, that attitude that you harbor, and the Bible says, don't do that? That's biblical reproof. The Bible does that. And there are Sundays when we come across texts where the Bible's saying, hey, here's something, don't do that. And even though sometimes I don't really get a real thrill out of it, because by nature I'm more timid, it's like, that's what the Bible says, I have to say that. And sometimes as hard as it is, it means that you have to say, listen, if you're struggling with this, if this is you, that's sin. That's what reproving is. But the thing is, is Paul's telling Timothy to be the kind of guy that does that. Calling out one another's sin is part of ministering God's word. Secondly, he says reprove and then he says rebuke. In other words, tell them to stop it. Uh, The thing that's, uh, uh, that's sin. Knock it off. (laughs) Are you kind of right now going like, who wants to go to church that's doing that? I'm thinking that. But hold on, just hold on. Reprove, rebuke. I mean, think of the love. Really, think of the love that it takes to do that rightly and the maturity it takes. Well, let's add the third word and then we'll kind of bring that together. Exhort, it means urge to righteousness. It's not only reprove and rebuke, but let's head towards what's right. Let's head towards what's living uh, uh, set apart. That's the put off, that's the put on process. Now, reprove, rebuke, exhort. This sounds like a church with the religious police. Doesn't it? Hey, welcome. Good to have you here today at Harvest. Knock it off! (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I don't want to go to that church. I don't know about you. I'm serious about that. I don't want to go to that church like that. But notice I haven't read, brought in the rest of the text. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, with patience and teaching. Okay. Maybe that church I might go to. (laughs) But do you see this? It's reprove with patience. It's rebuke with patience. By the way, parents, are you listening to this? Because this is so parenting and correcting your children. Reprove with patience, rebuke with patience, exhort with patience. Why do we do that? Because because Matthew chapter 7, uh, as we've talked about a number of times, it talks about how get the log out of your own eye before the speck out of other people's eye. And so patience means me sitting back and going, wait a second, before I jump on uh, Billy Bob's uh, issue, uh, what's going on in my heart, in my life right now? It's also understanding that God is incredibly patient with you. How many times do you and I go there where we shouldn't be going? And yet God is so patient and doesn't crush us. Patient like that. Hey, change takes time. Have you noticed in the animal world? It's like you go over and it's like the horse. It's like running and jumping, I don't know, with like six hours. I mean, kind of a thing. They're just like so fast, but humans, we're just like laid flat for like six months. You know, our kids are gone, so I've lost timing on all that. But it's just, we are so much slower. Listen, change takes time for us. It does for me oftentimes. Patience. Also with teaching. It's not just with knowledge. It's not just with anger, if you will. But it's righteous teaching truth. Parents, are you teaching your kids as you're correcting them? Or are you just snapping? What's with that? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6. I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 4. James talked about it last week. Fathers, do not exasperate your kids. And we don't want to be a church that exasperates people. And so it's the kind of thing with patience and teaching. Well, now it kind of feels like we're on the other end of the scale. Be patient. Be patient. And teach all the time and never reprove, rebuke, or exhort. This is the tension. Both are supposed to happen. We're to be that kind of people. Hey, in small groups... Imagine bringing into the reality as you grow closer together and get to know each other and love on each other in Christ, not because you have the same hobby or not because you might be the same age, whatever with that. It's more because you want to grow in Christ. Imagine coming together in that and coming to a place to where, are you kidding? This group is helping me change sin habits. They're calling me out on some things. And they do it lovingly and they do it in their own life, and they do it with patience, and they do it with teaching, and we're all in this thing together. Timothy, be that. We herald the Bible as a people preparing. We herald the Bible as a people ministering. Last two, we herald the Bible as a people of urgency. Urgency. Not only do we have lots of patience and lots of teaching, but we have lots of urgency. Urgency. Verse three and four, for the time is coming when people, Timothy, will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And that sounds like today, doesn't it? That sounds like our culture. You know, many today don't want to hear truth that convicts. Just stroke me. I just want to go somewhere where you'll tell me I'm awesome because my spouse isn't realizing right now that I'm as awesome as I am and everybody else around here doesn't realize I'm awesome and the fact of the matter is is you have been created by God and David in Psalm 139 talks about blow my brains out you were knit and formed even before you were born by God himself But that shouldn't drive us to be going, look at this. (laughs) No, no. We actually become in awe with God. And the reality is, is we don't want sound teaching oftentimes in our world. Our world wants suitable teaching. Just tickle my ear. Make me feel wonderful. week after week they embrace half truths and myths and they practice a form of religion that has no power that's the world that we live in and that should put within us an urgency friends that's our world and they need to hear about the awesome, good news of the Bible. They need to hear it because people around us are dying and going to hell. And I'm not thrilled about that at all. And we need to get after ministering to one another and and, and to more people. Not so we can pat ourselves on the back and go, look how big our church is. Whatever with that. Let's just be an urgent people with the word of God boldly and with joy. The answers are right here. It tells us the problem and it tells us the answer. Let's be about that. Urgency, even the fact as Larry made mention. Pastor Cody had set up for the junior, senior, high teen over at the Comfort Inn. You know, it'll hold, it'll hold about 40 people. <laughs> That'll be no problem. There were 60 teens. Where'd you guys come from? That was awesome. And so now we got a problem. It's not big enough. One night at the Comfort Inn, and we're out. (laughs) And we've got to move somewhere else. And I'm not trying to bring the, the building into every passage of Scripture, but I am saying in it, it's like we need some space. And if we had more opportunity to increase the capacity of ministry in kinds of ways, oh my word, there are people out there who don't know about Jesus Christ that we'd love to be able to make room for them and have and minister in increasing and deeper ways. Urgency, urgency. And lastly, verse 5, look at this. We herald the Bible as a people honoring the mandate. As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. I love the last three words. Fulfill your ministry. I'm running out of time, so let me just sum it up this way. The mandate is let's be an always ready thing an always increasingly ready kind of people growing in the word of God, growing in our enjoyment and our savoring of the word of God. Our minds are in the game for the Lord. Listen, that's not an easy thing to do. I get that, believe me, I get that. It takes work. Our suffering in our culture is probably not going to be thrown in jail or beaten, but the reality is, is it takes work. It sometimes it takes suffering of maybe waking up earlier to be able to be that kind of a man. It may mean some more diligence at my lunchtime to use my time wisely. It may mean thirty less minutes of TV. So that I can dig into God's word, it's not easy, yet we do it as a people who personally want to engage with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God let your glory come down in my life, through your word. It's not easy. It's worth it. Transparent with you just for a second. I want to relate to you in a minute, for this minute. If you're leading a small group, I want to thank you for your labor. I want to thank you for your extra labor that you go through in preparing to meet with your small group. If you haven't led a small group before, it's one of the hardest things to do. I want to thank you for laboring in the word. Hey, those of you who teach our kids, I realize you've got jobs and you've got all kinds of other things going on. I want to thank you for laboring in the word and trying to bring the word of God to their little mush heads Thank you for the labor. Thank you. I say that, ugh, I say that in this kind of a way because being very transparent with you, as I heard another pastor say, preparing for Sundays and preaching the Word of God is the greatest joy and the greatest crucible in a pastor's life. I love preparing. I get to be, I'm paid to be able to, to hopefully provide the word of God as a feast where we can all come together and eat it up. And I spend 20 to 25 hours a week doing that. And there's so many other things at times I would like to be doing. My goodness, we're trying to work towards a building. And trying to get some more organization and things. And from a business background, sometimes I'm just like a guy where it's like, I just want to set that aside and I want to get after some of these other things. And sometimes it just kills me. But this is what I got to do. Because it's a feast every week together. And I'll tell you, when we do it, I love it. But then I leave in a good car and I go home. It's like I missed that. missed that when the first service. <laughs> Second service, I bagged. By the way, I hate it when I tear up. And that bothers me. <laughs> and then on Monday, I start back again. It's another 20, 25 hours of work, digging and mining and the next Sunday you kind of lay yourself bare and it's like Groundhog Day sometimes. It's not always easy. But friends, it is so worth it. Because this is the word of God. Let's be a people that eat it up. And let's help each other in it. Thank you for being a gracious, kind, well-receiving of the Word of God people. Onward, ho. Lord, thank you for the time. Thank you for the time to be able just to be a people who gather together around one thing, and that's the Word of God and you. Because the Word of God is what tells us who you are, tells us all about you, tells us about the fact of sin, that there's a problem there, tells us about the answer to the problem of sin. It tells us about the glorious beauty that we sang about of who you are. You are coming. You are alive. You're real. This is no joke. This is a beautiful thing. You're awesome. And we get to open the word of God. Oh, God, may we not be a church ever that walks away from the pillar of declaring the word of God, holding it high and heralding it. Lord, may we do it here every weekend with our kids. May we do it with our teens. May we do it uh, in this service. Thank you for Pastor Nick and laboring to, to prepare a banquet of song and you every week taking us vertical. Thank you for Pastor Eric preparing every week to take our kids vertical and our teachers and our children's leaders. God, thank you for Pastor Cody and taking our kids there, teens there. God, thank you for our small group leaders who labor in this to do this. God, thank you for all the individuals here who may not have any kind of publicness in it, but are faithful to it. If we're going to be a people that really are about proclaiming the word of God as a pillar, we've got to be that as individuals. And Lord, I pray that as we head out today, we would bust the living doors off this place. And maybe part of the thing that has to happen this week is there's somebody at work who God's put on my heart. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. And I'm going to start praying for them and I'm just going to start talking about you. And I'm going to lay the word of God out. Toss the ball of the word of God and let the spirit of God drive it. May we not be about what we think. May we be about what you think. In our Savior's name we pray, amen.